This is the Global Service Associates Podcast, and I'm your host, Andy McCullough. Good to be back um, on our podcast. It's been a while. And um, this morning, I have Alyssa Rodriguez. Good morning, Alyssa. Good morning. Yeah. And Alyssa's in the mountains of Colorado. I know you're in Bell Valley. What's the exact town you're in? We're in Gypsum. And since it's Down Valley, its nickname is Gyptucky because there's not much down <laughs> way. <laughs> okay. Chip, Chip Tucky. Yeah. Okay. The gypsum's the name. They mine gypsum there. And okay. a lot of our friends have moved down that way. So we still have quite a bit of community down there. Okay. And um, I know you're married and you have a son. So you want to introduce yeah. your family? I've been married to Santiago for almost three years now. And we have a little 18-month-old. His name's Caleb. He's super sweet. I feel like a lot of people have gotten to meet him in GSA. And probably will meet him next summer, too, when we're all together. Yeah. Um, and of course, Santiago, too. Yeah. Is he going to join us this morning? It's... Santiago? Uh, Caleb. Oh, uh, no. Grandma's watching him right now. We're okay. currently in Crescent City, California. Oh, you're, you're calling from California. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hello to your mom. Yeah. And um, we're close to one of the other GSA members. Um, uh, Eric Leon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're just up the road <clears throat> from him mm -hmm. right now in the, your, your mom lives in the Redwood Forest. Yeah area the northern coast of, of california so well lissa just i mean maybe give you a little bit of your background so i know you've been married for three years but so i think if i remember correctly that always challenges you for me to ask you where you're from or where you <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah and since i grew up as a missionary kid I feel like I always look like a deer stuck in the headlights when people ask that question. Uh huh. Whether like, you want to know where I was born, where I did my growing up, or all of those different things, it's always such a different answer to the question in some ways. So okay. I always feel like I got struck with fear when people ask me. Well, I don't want to strike you with fear. <laughs> So we're a safe place. So you were you no, born in Canada? Yeah, you were born in Canada, right? Yep. And my parents, I should probably, if I'm giving the backstory, I should probably explain a bit of what my parents did. They were uh -huh. missionaries and English teachers in China and they met over there. So their running joke was that they moved to China and married a foreigner because my dad's from California, from this region in Crescent City. Okay. And my mom's from Canada. And the running joke was that 
the Baptists had stronger, stronger pairs than the Lutheran because everyone in my mom's congregation was praying that she would find somebody in China. Everyone in my dad's congregation was praying he wouldn't find anybody there. <laughs> he said the Baptist one in prayer. She, like, she became a Lutheran later when my dad became a pastor. Uh-huh. Um, and they lived there for 10 years. I was there for six and my younger brother was there for four. So my first six years of life, my upbringing was in China and we would be there during the school years. And then during the summer breaks, we would go visit family in Canada and California. And after my first six years, my parents were feeling called to be back in the United States. My dad was wanted to be a pastor. So we went to a seminary in St. Louis, Missouri for three years. And then we moved to the Bay area. We were in the East Bay in Fremont where my dad was a Mandarin pastor working with the three generations there. So the grandparents that didn't really speak any English, the parents Uh that knew a bit of both. And sometimes the uh, grandkids that wouldn't know Chinese or only would use it in the household. And so I had a background as a pastor, missionary kid in the community in the Bay Area, too. It was still pretty saturated with uh, the Chinese culture, Uh being within that community. And then I went to college in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And the only way that could have ever have happened was I felt called by God to go there. I was not interested in going in my when we did a tour that was the only tour that we did they had a good art program and they had an ecclesiastical art program and I was always interested in art as a kid because by the time we moved to the states I wasn't really proficient in either language and English or Mandarin so art was my way of communicating and making friends I would put little drawings and classmates desks to ask if they wanted to be my friend with pictures on them and so that was how I made some of my friends when we moved. <laughs> and my parents were a little nervous of course about sending their daughter to art school a lot of my friends were graphic design majors to kind of offset the mm-hmm. art and creativity that they wanted to do but something a little more structured and I went into ecclesiastical art and yeah. So what is, what is that? Were you studying like art that was ecclesiastical? Were you? Yeah. Learning... For the most part, somewhat traditional. It was a um, Lutheran based university. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it was studying church history and art. And the funny thing with that was I, a lot of it was architectural too. So I could walk into any worship space and mm-hmm. I could tell what denomination it was or what theology they really focused on. But I, and I worked with a arts studio there that it was the center of liturgical art. So it was a place where you can make stained glass windows, altars, mm-hmm. baptismal fonts, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I always wanted to do more art and outreach versus just making art within the church. I was wondering Mm -hmm. if there was a way to make art that could bring people to Christ. Mm. And there was a summer between my junior and senior year where I did 
guess they were a summer mission back then with crew mm -hmm. in New York City that was a group of artists putting on a show that reflected what that community was desiring and hoping for spiritually. So we were in Queens for mm -hmm. almost three months, maybe just two months. Mm -hmm. that was a very unique experience and then that summer after that I went to Costa Rica and worked at a orphanage there and that's oh, okay started doing more art and trauma informed care uh-huh and then after my senior because it was a lot of it was a theology degree integrated into my art degree so I took a lot of dogmatic and hermeneutic classes mm -hmm. so by the end I felt like my faith became pretty textbook and mm -hmm. I just needed a break after that. Uh -huh. So I I always call this part of my life of running away to Montana. <laughs> my Jonah story where I became really close friends with a gal and from Montana and her parents worked with nations in Montana on a Native American reservation, the Kellys. And I really wanted to and, and a lot of people may not nations was a crew ministry to um native americans right yep okay. so the summer after college i worked on a native american reservation with the blackfoot community okay. and i connected with the artists there they had some artists in residence there at a gallery and they invited me in so i got to connect with the artists on a regular basis and that was amazing for me. I'm not with different strengths and that sort of thing. I think my way of strength and communicating, like going back to when I was a kid was through art. So I got to talk about art and spirituality with these artists. Cause that was just so connected to what they created. Mm -hmm. They're just naturally very spiritual. So it was, those few summers were really impactful for me before doing what I did now. Cause that was also the summer where I met Robin Libby Swenson. They were friends with the people that lived on a bison ranch where we were staying at when we were on the reservation. Mm -hmm. And I got interested in human trafficking also in college where Craig Joring, who's also <laughs> in USA, mm -hmm. came with a couple of people he was working with down in Mexico City and uh -huh. a gal that designed the Reintegra logo, Nancy, and Nancy was sharing her story. And my my university was in Seward, Nebraska. It probably didn't have more than 8,000 people. It's very small. And when Nancy was talking about her story in Finnish, she asked the pastor if she could get baptized there. The pastor's like, really? Here in Nebraska? <laughs> like this building used to be like the old Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think witnessing that, wow, there's there's hope for in this situation uh, in human trafficking. It would just be amazing to do art as a way to serve these people or serve organizations that work with these women. Yeah. And so I told Robin Libby that well, we don't plan on doing this forever. And so they just kind of left it at that. And I was a pastry baker for a year before I did full-time ministry. Really? Okay. Yeah. It was, it, it was such a great transition 
that that year was just really healing for me before going mm -hmm. into full-time ministry. I think I really needed a break. Like I said, my faith felt pretty textbook after college. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was just a fun summer stint of being a pastry baker. And then I recontacted Rob and Libby and asked if they needed somebody to work with them. And they said, sure. So I started raising support and joined them in 2015. And especially in the beginning, ministry felt a little tumultuous because my dad was leaving his ministry when I was starting mine and just some of the complications that went with that. But it was a really beautiful opportunity to grow in my leadership skills when it came to art. I basically wrote my job description, like you need an art director. So I'll do, <laughs> I'll do that for you guys. And I got to travel around with this art exhibit that they had called Faces of Freedom, where uh -huh. we had 200 portraits of people rescued and restored from human trafficking. Actually, not all of them were portraits, but some were dignity wow. portraits or abstract art. I was based off the testimony and stories of people rescued. And I did that for a few years before going to, um, GSA's first retreat, which was in Mexico, Mexico City, City. Yeah. That, that year. And I've never been to that city before. And yeah, and GSA allowed me to continue leaning into my art leadership. Because when I was with Freedom 58, those first two years, I was doing it under crew. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the idea of doing art and human trafficking relief and justice work it was kind of complicated trying to fit into some of that structure so gsa allowed me to keep growing in that and that that trip was really impactful just like even meeting christy and rich and andy and connecting and craig because the i met everyone on the zocalo and somebody asked me why i got into human trafficking relief work and i shared the story about Nancy like oh we know her you guys should meet up because she does art too I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's wild and I got to meet her later that December mm -hmm. and I really started connecting with um the people down there and especially with the earthquake like met Jessica when we had to leave the airport um, yeah, let me let me fill in because yeah, <laughs> so the audience is tracking with this. So, what what year was that retreat? Was that two thousand seventeen? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I went down uh, to. I wasn't working. Uh, I mean, I was on GSA staff, but I wasn't uh, part time helping in the office then. Um, but it was rich and. Uh, like I said, Christy Leonard's and she had just joined and you had just joined. And then um, Kat and Oscar, but Kat was bedridden. Um, and so Oscar Delgado, who I've interviewed before, were there. And um, we stayed at a nunnery uh, in Mexico City near uh, the Basilica. That was that was a really cool retreat 
but then afterwards, even before I met Alyssa and she wanted to stay and kind of because of the work she wanted to do, she wanted to get a chance to go to one of the safe homes. And so Rich, Alyssa, and I stayed a couple extra days afterwards. And Rich had an early flight the day we left. Alyssa and I were on the same flight back to Denver later that day. And an earthquake happened uh, while we were with um, one of the gals with Reintegra, Nelly. And um, yeah, so, and then we ended up having to stay and we met Jessica Rosalando who's now a member and, and uh, I'd met Jessica before, but that was the first time you met her. She was stuck in the city and we hung out with friends and we got to do um, relief work for her that evening and the next day together. So that was fun. Yeah, it was so bizarre. Cause I think when you see national t- disasters on television, it seems like it's everywhere, but there was parts of the city where you could go yeah, and get tacos and hang out in other parts where it was completely silent as they were looking for bodies in some of the uh, fallen down buildings. So it was just so eerie where some places felt so normal and other places were totally different. Right. And yeah, cause that just left a huge impact. It was just a wild trip altogether from meeting some of the GSA members to meeting some of the Reintegra women and the people that worked with Reintegra and then having an earthquake on top of all of that. It was, <laughs> it was a wild time to process after like, what just happened on that trip. It was just supposed to be this GSA retreat and it turned into this critical moment in my life mm-hmm. from just that trip. And I went back to Mexico city a few times after, because during that first trip, I was interested in seeing the aftercare home Camino Casa. And we were with, I think you were grabbing lunch with Rosie. Mm -hmm. You want to see it? I'll have a car take you. And they blindfolded me and took me. (laughs) And which was so bizarre, but then talking to the girls and telling them I was an artist, like, Oh, can you come back and do art with us? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sure I can. And I was so surprised because they were interested interested not that I expected people to not be interested but being invited by them to do that work was kind of what started working with the aftercare home there and I did that a few times on my own and then so I was and still affiliate staff with transform within crew so connected to the art ministry there and some of my best and closest friends from that summer mission are in in that program and just a lot of lifelong friendships with these artists that want to pursue their faith and mission work and there was a group of dancers there that they they they're interested in going and that was just an impactful trip of not only just having visual art to do with them but dance and just the different things that would come out of those times and they got to go twice before COVID. And during that summer, 2018, I was feeling called to go to Mexico City. And I was just feeling, <laughs> I think, very lost and scared. I, And some of the backstory of that, too, was 
like I'm feeling called, but I'm not getting any more direction from God in this. So I told God, like, you have to tell other people to tell me because I'm not sure what's your voice anymore, or that sort of thing. And on I decided to Uber together with some young women my age that were going to the same part of Mexico City. And she was meeting up with her friend that was just traveling around in Oaxaca. And apparently she went to Denver Seminary, mm. but we knew any of the same people. And she turned around to me and said, she said, all right, you're, you're going to move to Mexico City. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, what made you say that? She's like, the Holy Spirit. Oh, no. What have I done? What did I ask? God? <laughs> yeah. It it just floored me. And then when I was talking to one of the women in Reintegra and I was kind of telling them where I was at, like, that's crazy. I had a dream you were moving to Mexico and God told me that. I'm like, no, I, I have to do this now. And I was feeling so overwhelmed because I had so many family things happening. I was really happy with being with Freedom 58. And yeah, so... I think about six or eight months later, I went and during that time I was doing intensive therapy because I wanted to make sure I was of sound mind going <laughs> and was, which was really helpful just to have these tools. Cause I think especially working with mm -hmm. survivors of human trafficking, it's easy to put the things that you go through on the back burner because it's obviously not as bad as what other people have it as and so I think it just helps me process a lot of wounds I've had and it, it just brought a lot of healing before going to do art and healing work mm -hmm. and so I was really thankful for that season of limbo and then moved in 2019 and I was planning to be there long term like if I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. I want to learn the language and I want to put roots down here to continue that work. And that I spent six months there before doing a long-term missions training in mm -hmm. Fort Collins. Yeah. And we had a creative project for that, which was to create a I am from poem. Mm -hmm. As I said earlier, that statement has always overwhelmed me. And I think it came from a gal that worked with nations that created it. That makes a lot of sense for people that are really attached to the land that they're from. Right. Where I've never really had that. So I made a I am of poem. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think that just helps me realize too. Um just the freedom of building community and building roots that might look different and not being worried about not fitting into mm -hmm. uh, certain boxes and that sort of thing. Yeah. And that I mean, was really helpful, but unbeknownst to me, my future and now husband <laughs> met me that summer or saw yeah. me that summer. Uh -huh. when we went back for the reintegra gala in october that's when i met him and yeah between that time covid being in mexico there's this so much happening in the 
world at that time where I was beginning to transition from going to Mexico and getting married and moving back to Colorado. And especially when COVID hit, I was no longer doing more of my on the ground work, which was, I think, a a tough, um, and with everybody, it was a point of crisis to kind of figure out what we do and our purpose behind that. What does that look like to do ministry virtually and that sort of thing to make. Mm-hmm. And I think there was on a GSA meeting early on during that time where so many trips and projects had to get canceled where it's like, it's really hard to plan for anything during this season, but what does it look like to prepare ourselves for what God has for us during this season? Mm-hmm. And I felt like from 2020 to pretty much now, basically, I've been in a season of preparation and now mm-hmm. seeing what all those little things I couldn't notice during that season all come right. together and have it make right. sense. Right. No, I remember you sharing that. I think it, I think if I recall, I remember when you shared that we had like the, we were trying to, <clears throat> which led into what we do now with the roundtables. I mean, we'd had, calls before but we had they were more around your ministry circle and they hadn't happened for a while and um so we just did these roundtables just to catch up with people how are you doing in covid and i remember you sharing that of of preparation and um it was really profound for me just to think through too just kind of like okay not being so caught up in what you can or can't do and the changes and, but just is, is this an area of, of really got preparing us for something, Mm -hmm. you know, down the road. And yeah. And it was a, in like for us, I mean, for some people, COVID was really difficult and challenging, but for me, it was a very restful season. I decided to go to Crescent city to be with my family during that time. Well, I don't want to be right. stuck in a big major city during COVID. And I was, oh, this a ridiculous story. I was dog sitting for a friend in Mexico City and she <laughs> was in San Francisco and San Francisco shut down hard. She's like, I need my dog. <laughs> so I had to go to the vet, get all those documents to fly my friend's dog for her to San Francisco and then go up to Crescent City. So that was my wild COVID story because at first I couldn't get a hold of the vet and I can't forge a vet's signature. That's just too much. <laughs> I thought I didn't have to do any of that. <laughs> so I got to deliver some toilet paper and my friend's dog to her in San Francisco before <laughs> Crescent City. And then my brother who lives in Rockford, Illinois, well, I want to go to Crescent City too. And maybe I could pick up your boyfriend. And so he picked up Santiago um, in the car. Well, I hope they like each other because that's a 20-hour road trip. And <laughs> my mom, brother, and Santiago and I were all in this house and we each had a different room co-working space where we had the artist in the back bedroom, the structural engineer in this room, <laughs> and my mom in the living room and my brother taking up the kitchen. So we had a 
teacher, financial planner, structural engineer, and artist. It was quite the co-working space. And <laughs> since this place is so isolated, some other friends would come for a time and join the pod, I guess. was. Yeah, you had your own little pod. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just a wild time. That and, was. But... Sorry, were you going to say something? Well, I mean, yeah, and so much has changed in your life since then. So it allowed you in that pod to even deepen uh, with Santiago and you got engaged and got married and then you became a mom. And so all those things God knew, but you didn't know at the time and you stepped out in faith and thinking you're going to be in Mexico long-term and mm-hmm. preparing so um, I kind of jumped into this pretty quickly, but I wanted to uh, maybe people are catching along. So your your role is kind of combining art and advocacy, right? Would that would be the way you describe your ministry, or is it even not even fully captures what you do? Um, and some of it is broader. I think in that sense of our advocacy is, I think, just sharing with people that art has this mysterious ability to connect and heal mm. and grow as a way to serve and love others. Because even in that 2020 season two, where because before I was like, oh, Alyssa does the art and justice thing. And then after yeah. George Floyd happened and all the conversations around that injustice and what we need to do, it sparked some conversations within Transform of like, okay, I guess art and justice isn't just Alyssa's thing. What does that mm-hmm. look like for us to do? And so it became, we had a weekly Zoom call with artists talking about different discussions and topics on what art can do and how we could serve with our art and not seeing it as as separate where it could transform with such a place of sharing how art and faith are connected those two things aren't separate where mm-hmm. that's not everything a place of art and justice aren't separated either that they could be connected and you could use art as a form of service and because I always wanted my ministry to be a third art making me creating artwork and because that's just been such a prolific part of my life is just creating through the ideas that God has given me and the other third to work directly with people using art and trauma-informed care. You probably will hear me say that a lot. I say art and trauma-informed care because I'm not an art therapist, but being informed on the windows of tolerance and how to engage different parts of the brain with different art forms. And yeah, so it's a little more wordy, but I also, I'm not a therapist. (laughs) I got it. Yeah. I don't want to get myself in trouble there. And the other third, equipping artists and doing mission and outreach work. 
And I've never done that much of it in the past. So I felt like during COVID was a lot of discipling and working with artists. <laughs> Sorry, you probably hear Caleb calling for me. Um, and now I lost my train of thought. Do you need to go get him? Yeah. Do you mind pausing the recording? <laughs> I don't mind pausing. Yeah. They we're back. So um, what I understand, so let me see if I can flip back. So the things you're doing, you're in this space of people that are experiencing oppression and justice. And so there's several things. One, there's bringing awareness. Art tells the story. It tells, it communicates in a way that's very powerful. But then there's also the people who are experiencing the victims or people who've come out of this area and it's, um, it's trauma-informed care. It allows them to see some healing in their life, being able to express. So you're, you're leading others to actually practice art, right? That helps them experience this wholeness that, that God desires in their life. But then there's also the piece of you're taking other artists and engaging them in this gospel this kingdom work of bringing them alongside to, to be involved. Am I, am I capturing everything that would be kind of the work you do? Am I missing any pieces in that or? Yeah. And oh, one of the big things, maybe we could put it, do we have podcast notes where you could have? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I do that. A smaller PDF version, but I created a workbook that compiled all that stuff together. Mm. which has been really exciting to put eight years worth of my love and labor of doing art ministry into one piece where other artists could be trained in it. Cause I, especially in this type of ministry form, it's been a lot of Guinea pig experimenting yeah, um, and being in that position where now there's this direction that allows people to well, I mean, art is this naturally pretty experimental. It's not like you do a lot of math problems to then execute mm-hmm. and have it pretty accurate. It's funny with my husband, he's a structural engineer where he wants to have all the math done before where <laughs> I find experimenting and doing trial and error type work. Yeah. And so having all of this together to navigate through with artists where Maybe they want to work with refugees in their community. Maybe they want to work with survivors of human trafficking. Maybe they want to work at their community food bank. And that past year, I was working with artists that were working with uh, families that were experiencing unexpected pregnancies. There is another one that was working with the community food bank for refugees and putting together a community garden of the produce that they would have in their countries and there was another one that wanted to and i'll explain more of that one later but put on an art show with bay area artists mm-hmm. sharing the testimonies of women in reintegra and, which by the way we mentioned reintegra a lot and i'm assuming oh, yeah. so so reintegra reintegra is um a ministry that it's uh, too long to explain, but it kind of fell in my lap a little bit. It was started by a Mexican and then uh, he passed away in 2000. 
14. And so we started a U.S. nonprofit to continue on the work. But it it basically helps survivors of human trafficking reintegrate back into society. Um, mainly, the main thing to do is help them with their education, but also just their growth and life. And so I, I've been the non the nonprofit executive director of that since 2015. And then Jessica Rosalanda, who's in Mexico City, is a GSA member, is now our, our Latin American director. So um, Alyssa, I'm going to get a little bit of a tangent here, but when I first met Alyssa that, that fall, when we were going to go down for um, that GSA retreat and we ended up staying because of the earthquake, is I, I noticed real quickly, we would, uh, she was going to help us with our gala and she had some ideas coming up and um, she kept saying we. And I thought, well, that's interesting. She has her own ministry and she's saying we in terms of, of the work of Reintegra. And I've, I remember telling you that I've, I've, I think <laughs> I've never met anyone who collaborates in such a smooth, easy way because you just see the big picture. Maybe that's that artist side. You just see the full piece of the the work and it's you can flow in and out. And that's just an incredible gift. Um, so not only working, we benefited uh, partnering together with Alyssa and the work of Reintegra, but a lot of different organizations as she mentioned before, she just has that incredible gift of, of doing that, of collaborating with others. So, yeah. So when she says reintegrate, that that's what it is. That's that work. Yeah. And yeah. And I wonder if part of it too is because in some ways, yeah, art can last a long term, but it's not something we take with us. Mm -hmm. um and so but we take our creativity with us and I think collaborating with the creator with God there's you know nothing stays forever so it's hard to be um in some ways possessive of things or hoping that things are going to stay when they're not going to last forever yeah um and yeah, and I think it's amazing to create things to share with others and not something that is coercive, but you could just give freely out of your own kindness and and that sort of thing. And that really impacted me when I was reading through Acts when it talks about the church that everyone had everything in common and there was no, mm-hmm. like no one was in want. Mm-hmm. And it, it was this little part, which I never noticed before, but it said, this was all done through the power of the Holy spirit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's like the only way that something like this could work is through God's kingdom. Cause if governments do it, it gets messy. Sometimes with churches it even gets messy, but just through yeah. the power of the Holy spirit, we have this ability to be generous, generous and kind of being able to share freely and continue to grow things. Like it's a, it doesn't have a scarcity mindset. It's not like, what are just the resources that we have now? It's like, how do you grow things? How do you expand things? 
And yeah. I think that was really helpful for me to see the world in abundance. There's enough room to um, share. Um, like even recently, we have some residents, art residents going to New York City and mm -hmm. so on and so on to raise support. I'm like, okay, I'll send out a letter to my supporters being like, hey, these people still need to finish. They have a few thousand left and not feeling like, oh, if they give to them, I'm not going to get enough or that sort of thing where I mean there's always that tension I think when I feel it there it's like oh then I definitely need, need to push back on that mindset of scarcity to mm -hmm. not have it mm -hmm. take hold because it's so easy to have it take hold I feel like something that's a daily battle in some ways and like right now our family doesn't have a car so it's easy to feel um a scarcity mindset creep up sometimes in that um but anyways, but this, I wanted to go back to this workbook really quick. Yeah. I read, um, the back of it. And what's the name? What's the name of your workbook? Do you have a title? And it's, it's called the Civic and Compassion Pillar. So this is a tool used within Transform. Okay. And, and the beautiful thing is too, uh, the leadership within Transform, Leanne created Solarium. Uh -huh. We started crew, but there is a bunch of uh, complications with that. Just like, I want this to be yours. I want you to use this with any artist that you work with. Like, this is your resource. You created all of this. So it's just so, I've been really blessed with the leadership in my life to help me grow and expand, but also to, because of the things that some of them have experienced in the past too. Mm -hmm. Um protect me from some of those heartaches and stuff yeah so, which has just been really incredible and even with you and rich when i was trying to figure out some stuff and you're like it's not the end of the world to not <laughs> be in mexico as long as you planned and that sort of thing and uh, but anyway so the back of this workbook says um this is a guide for artists to understand their position in society and responsibility as the people of God. We want to see all artists develop a deep-seated attitude of compassion for the weak and a practice of self-sacrifice for the benefits of the powerless. Mm -hmm. Journey through this material to learn about art and awareness, advocacy and policy, community development, and art healing and trauma-informed care, mm -hmm. as well as hospitality as it relates to the artist's work. We hope this impacts the people you love and serve. And oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I get to walk alongside artists and it also has readings, videos, podcasts to go along with all of this just to help them grow and expand um, what is biblical justice. And I think that was such a freeing term to just realize it's a simply being in right relationship with God and with others. Cause I think in the past few years, a lot of it's been like, what does that look like? And even some of the politics that could go around with it, where I realized I wanted to have a space for people, no matter what their politics were, what their ideologies were, what type of work they wanted to do. And just having that simple meeting ground Mm -hmm. where we could have hard conversations in soft spaces. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so 
sometimes we may get stuck so much in the ideology. Like when I was talking about my faith being textbook, mm -hmm. like I need to relearn how to live this out. And when you live and do things, you realize what works and what doesn't, um, what's not as critical or necessary and what's the pieces that bring freedom in Christ and that. So it was, it's been a labor of love that is, um, finally finished that I get to walk through with artists. And I also finished a painting around the same time this came into print, mm -hmm. which was, yeah, it just felt like all this time of preparation has finally come together. And so many things are in fruition that are in this physical realm. That's not just ideas in my head. Right. Well, tell me, tell me, I know you took a group of artists to Mexico City this summer. So um, how, did, how did that go? It went and great. what did you do? And <laughs> what kind of artists went with you? And um, One was a singer and the other one is a visual artist. And uh -huh. she was in the Hermana show that one of the artists did back in 2021. And this idea of Hermana, it it just keeps expanding where originally one of the dancers wanted to put together a show to support Reintegra's work since with COVID, they couldn't go back the next year. Yeah. And so with that show, I got to meet one of the artists I got to come to Mexico City. And she she took something similar that I gave before from this workbook when it was still in the still being worked out. And Emma took it as well this past year. And so these artists have gone through some of the training and discussions that I was doing. So I felt comfortable with them. I I always try to give some equipping materials to the artists that come on mm -hmm. um, how to work with survivors, how to see their art as a practice in serving and loving others and that sort of thing. I did that with the dancers too. And it was, it was really amazing because I, I, I had my family with me. So I was mainly running around trying to keep this toddler from falling down the stairs. And <laughs> it was amazing because Lauren and Emma and Jessica were just such great leaders and facilitators and so much came up through this little mini art retreat in Mexico City with the Reintegra women where they got to open up in ways that we've never seen before and just because they're therapists and she's like wow like that I've never heard them talk about that before and that sort of thing so it's this really fascinating where in some ways, my belief that in faith that art can open up into mm. a realm that connects us to God in a way, it's so hard to explain or have any type of form of evaluation or this is the execution of it. It's just yeah. such a mysterious thing and it happens. And so it's amazing to see that happens because I have faith in it and to see it work is is really amazing and I'm so thankful that God gives glimpses into that and always trying to find those in ministry yeah and 
part of it too is I, I would leave like a few things here and there, but not really. And I just thought it was, I had this amazing moment where I'm like, oh, they don't really need me. And at first I had a bit of a scarcity mindset where I'm like, <laughs> I think, and but I'm like, it isn't. And Reintegra is expanding. Maybe other women within Reintegra want to have something like this in San Jose, Costa Rica or in Tijuana. And that just freed me up too, in a lot of ways, because we would also work with the aftercare home and it looked like um, that partnership wasn't going to like hold on as much. And so instead of being sad of not seeing some of the women that I'm used to seeing where there's just a chance to expand that where the artists that have come down to Mexico city before can keep coming down Mm -hmm. and keep working with them because they have those relationships built up already. And then Mm -hmm. if there's other artists that are interested, they could go to other parts and build those relationships. So that way it's not um, like an overwhelming emotional load on anyone, but there's more intimacy built into it. Mm -hmm. Even when I made these trips, it's only two or three artists at most. Right. Um, So keeping a level of intimacy. I've never really wanted my ministry work to be big. I've always wanted it to be intimate. Mm. And you can still have intimacy, Mm. um, like a larger scale. Right. Um, But just really enjoying the the richness and doing something like this. So it was, it was a really great trip and to, um, have that connection to Jessica, the artist loved her and everything that she was doing. And I think that was a really cool relationship build too, mm-hmm. especially since it felt like some of the reintegral women and Jessica had a tum- tumultuous week the week before, and just to have this retreat and this time to connect and wind down. Mm-hmm. Really helpful. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. And, and you, you share with me offline, you're kind of, I mean, I guess you alluded to it, just some other areas because um, Reintegra, we're, we're partnering in Costa Rica and Tijuana, safe homes and aftercare, as you call them um, in, in those locations. So you kind of envision this idea of just seeing artists continue to engage in anti-human trafficking work Mm -hmm. yeah and to um yeah and to see that those partnerships grow where in some ways there's not necessarily like a need on both ends where Mm -hmm. there's this desire for these women to create art which always surprises me because I especially when I worked in the aftercare home, like, man, they make art as if their life depended on it. Like, even if they were going through a complicated part or they would mess up, like they would still work past that. Like they had such a resilient resiliency when they worked on art that I've never seen before. Like I would have been tricked into being an art teacher if I've only worked with these women. Because <laughs> when I would ask them about their art projects and stuff, they would go deep really fast too. It's not service oh. level. I don't know why I chose those colors or stuff. There's one time um, there was a gal and she talked about this little paper mache nest that she made. She's like, I chose gold and silver for my nest because it reflects uh, 
like my life being precious and God seeing my life as precious. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that was wow. And like they're they're teenage girls, and I was just really impressed with just the level of yeah excitement and engagement with the art, but also what they um received from it. Yeah. And artists like there's never been a as far as I know, an opportunity to serve in this type of capacity. And when we do it too, the artists are working alongside these girls. So we're also right. sharing things about our life and what we're working through and processing. So it's not much of a us versus them, or we're going to build this or do this for you. It's, oh, we're going to create with you and problem solve through stuff and talk about what we're going through too. So there's like this, um, level of intimacy built just from being all at the table together um that's really interesting I'm not even sure if I answered your question or if I just went off on a tangent no that's totally fine I I'm listening to you I I think it's just so amazing I think there's some things I really like about the work you're doing one I I like the idea that it you're you're not so focused on how big it is, but it's this it's the intimacy. And and I've seen that and I've heard stories. I mean, you you really do see the degree of getting below the surface very quickly. And it's it is amazing how God and that creativity and it is just things that that open up. Um, through that. So this is really powerful. And I, I like the fact for artists, I don't know that, that, that you want them to use their, their gifting, you know, not just, Oh, you're coming down. You have to fit into what your plan is. You, you're looking at, oh, okay. How can these dancers use their gifts or, or they're uh, a singer or, you know, it's not just, one style of art or, or anything. So I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there was a singer that came, we only did visual art. It was her yeah. first time doing a mission trip like this. She's like, I've never done a mission trip before. Does that disqualify me? Like, well, it's definitely not like any other mission trip. So it's probably good. You don't have another context, but, <laughs> um, but it's cool now, like now that she's done that, I could tell her, hey, do you want to build a music program to bring down there? Now that you've built the relationships, you see what this is like. Now you right. can lead in something new. Like I don't know music, visual arts, my thing. So even encouraging leadership and others to uh, do this type of work. And, and I was always told growing up to make myself indispensable in work. And then sometimes when it comes to ministry, it's like, well, I don't want things to end because I'm no longer doing something like that's not sustainable. Right. Um, I think it makes sense if you are a worker with a boss and that sort of thing, you want to show that you're valuable. And right. that. But if you're creating something new, it's like, okay, how do I keep this going in case something happens to me? Um, <laughs> I don't want this to exist just because I'm around like I want it to um yeah for other leaders to rise up in this and I've been learning because I have a there's a 
team within Transform that works with me in this civic and compassion pillar, where I realize a lot of my leadership in the past has been a lone lone wolf type leadership, where it's brand new, no one else is with me, I'm just figuring it out. And so it's like, what yeah. does it look like to have a leadership where I'm working with a team and how to um, yeah, build that responsibility and, and growth from that way versus just depending on myself to do that. And so that's been a new shift of growth for me in this season. And with all of these things coming into fruition too, just having that balance of um, becoming a mom, like that was such a, like, obviously it changes your life and it's going to, but then when you go through it, like, wow, this is crazy. Andy, I think I shared with you, was it a few weeks ago when Uh I was to some of uh, one of the podcasts and somebody was talking about what gets them out of bed in the morning. And at that time I had a, four month old or something where <laughs> I still wasn't sleeping through the night. I'm still technically not sleeping through the night. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got overwhelmed. I'm like, oh. I don't think he, I don't think that ends by the way. I think, <laughs> you know, when he's a teenager, he won't sleep through the night. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, like nothing gets me out of bed in the morning. What am I motivated by? Seeing <laughs> 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 uh, a season of, oh my gosh, what does life look like? doing ministry work. So I think when, like in the past, it was used more normal for the whole family to be in ministry together, like the parents. And since we don't have that in our situation where what I'm doing is just so much my own and husband's not an artist or doing art ministry or that sort of thing. Um, His dad was, so he understood a lot of it, which was a great connecting point. And so just trying to figure out what it looks like to do this and be a parent and be um, connected to my child and family. Like there's so many things to balance, but I realize like a lot of it's a blend in this season. Right. Just going into the blend versus trying to have a balance. I feel like balance is like this goes here, this goes here, this goes here, where a blend it's a little more malleable. And I think that that brought a lot of freedom and I had helpful advice from my mom, like the baby, uh, you don't enter into the baby's life. The baby enters into your life. So just try to do all the things you're used to doing, but with the baby. And I think that was helpful too. Cause I think when you read all of these parenting things and what to do, you just <laughs> feel like you're doing everything wrong. Depending <laughs> <laughs> yeah. on which philosophy you go into and that sort of thing. Even when it comes down to feeding where I think a lot of those things feel like such a big deal in the beginning where now you realize like our family does things so different. Like our baby's bedtime is nine or 10 PM, which is unheard of probably in America where in Latin America, that's a bit more normal. Um, but just realizing God made us all unique and special and even like our different parenting dynamics and work dynamics. So I think finding the blend of it all and leaning into how God created us specifically and uniquely versus right. what's the current trend right now, like who we need to be in society, but who, who did God create us to be and to um, lean into that belovedness and operate out of that. Yeah. Well, I know what gets you out of bed in the morning. Just got to feed or change a poopy oh. diaper or something, you know, 
<laughs> Honestly, Santiago does a lot of the <laughs> stuff with Caleb and gives me coffee in the morning and bed. Okay, so coffee gets you out of bed in the morning. Gets me out of bed in the morning too. Yeah, well, it gets brought to me in bed, it. so I don't even have to leave. Oh, so. wow. That's yeah. special. And I'm just not naturally a morning person too, so that's... No, that's, that's really good. I think that's you know, you are a unique person, I think, because you're, you're so creative. And then you're even your own story of like, being nervous about well, where am I from? I'm not, I'm of this. And um, in ministry, sometimes you can feel like you're, if you're not in the box, you know, you feel unworthy, or you're not living up other people's expectations and and yet god and his spirit are are leading and moving even even seeing that creativity of of god and how he's at work and being able to operate in that world that's a that's a beautiful thing Alyssa, that you bring to all of us yeah and i think if anything if you could be a goat farmer and find a way to do community development or if you're a marriage counselor you're in the realm of healing and trauma-informed care like there's it's not just art finding its way into all of these um forms of service and outreach but um in any way we have a freedom to use our like in some ways that blend like our faith or service and what we do can all in our vocation like they could all balance blend together and you find just such a sweet spot where I feel like um yeah just the amount of purpose that could flow through that yeah well we might need to wrap up here uh it's been great visiting you I'll, I'll have you send me the information on your workbook and I'll, I'll put that in the notes and uh for those of you you know, Alyssa is our host for our, our Vail Fall Retreat. Um, it's the weekend of, is it the 15th? When is it? Oh, no. It's going to be the 22nd to 24th. 22nd to 24th no, of September. I'm sorry, what? Oh, I said it should be beautiful with the trees turning and all that. Yeah. So um, if you haven't signed up for a retreat, you don't have to be from Colorado. We had a lot of people last year flew in uh, for the Colorado retreat. You can definitely attend any one of them that you want. And there's probably still room, right, Alyssa? I think so. Yeah. And we went to Tampa last year, Colorado before that. So yeah. And you've been to Mexico City. So you've you've traveled to two of the three prior retreats you've been to. Yeah. Um, so well good well it's great been it's been great visiting with you Alyssa, and um and uh, it's been great connecting with you this morning appreciate you and and what you do and being a part of global service associates and they're see santiago's like wondering are you off this call yet <laughs> so i'll let you go have a great day all right bye andy Thank bye you.
This has been the Global Service Associates Podcast. I'm your host and producer, Andy McCullough. Our theme song is Lay It Down by Travis and the Ghost. We hope you catch all our episodes so that we can all better connect as members. Thank you. Thank you.